Alright, you guys, this is Wednesday morning. 2-14, October 2nd, 2019. And this is a special edition of Into the Aaronverse. As most people know, when they go see a movie, they want to see how good the story is and how great the actors do in that character. Case in point, you have your superhero movies. The Punisher, Daredevil, Batman vs. Superman, Batman, Man of Steel, and so on. But what makes these movies unique? What makes them awesome? What makes them watchable? And that's what I'm here to talk to you about today. This is a special edition, what I like to call, How Do They Do That? Or, for short, H-D-T-D-T. The movies of the MCU, or Marvel Cinematic Universe, and DCEU, or Detective Comics Expanded Universe. Now, I know people are entitled to their own opinion when it comes to a superhero movie. Me, I go see a superhero movie if the acting is top-notch and if the story is done right. Let's get to it. First up, we have the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You have, well, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have TV movies and old-timey movies made in the 70s of your favorite superheroes such as Doctor Strange, Iron Man, The Hulk, and so on. Well, this is what I like to call the three-strike policy. One a Marvel's um, Marvel's case it's with multiple characters like the Hulk for instance way before the MCU was even a thing you had t the TV series the Hulk uh, uh, the Incredible Hulk I apologize which starred Bill Bixby as the titular hero. 
And granted, yes, people who followed the Hulk growing up would respect old school. But here's where it gets interesting. The Hulk character was introduced in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with three different actors played uh, playing the character. Eric Bana, Edward Norton, and Mark Ruffalo in the Avengers films, Thor Ragnarok, The Incredible Hulk, and The Hulk, respectively. Now, when you get into the MCU, you want to get you want to basically dig into what makes Bruce Banner unique. What makes his character unique. And that's when you hire three different actors to play him. When you get into the MCU era of films. Eric Bana being Strike One. Edward Norton being Strike Two. And... Now, Mark Ruffalo being the third strike. But with Mark Ruffalo's case, he has done a phenomenal job. And if you haven't seen any of his early work as the Hulk, check out Avengers, the first Avengers... Avengers Age of Ultron, Avengers Infinity War, and then the final one, Avengers Endgame. But if you want to add Thor into the mix, he makes an appearance in Thor Ragnarok. Which you will also get to see an appearance by Valkyrie, aptly played beautifully by Tessa Thompson. Now, Tessa Thompson makes an appearance in Avengers Endgame as the Valkyrie. But you won't get to see her in the Valkyrie in her Valkyrie uniform, or costume, I should say, until the final minutes of the film. But my opinion of the Hulk is you have to do the movie correct and have good acting. Mark Ruffalo did just that. And stay tuned to a future episode of Into the Aaronverse as I reveal Mark Ruffalo's next 
project as the Hulk. Then on the Marvel side of things, you also have the Star-Spangled Avenger himself, Captain America. I would call that character as well a three-strike character. Such as the TV movies played by where uh, Captain America is played by actor Reb Brown. I believe that's correct. If I say the actor's name wrong, feel free to drop me a message in the Aaronverse Facebook page or my personal page. Then fast forward to the 90s where they tried to introduce Captain America into the big screen. Where an actor by the name of Matt Salinger played Steve Rogers. Where he was a crippled volunteer, I believe, for a special experiment titled Rebirth. Now, I saw that version after it came out on video. And that what's got me interested in superhero movies. Now, you get into Captain America, the first Avenger, and where the Human Torch himself, Chris Evans, played the title character of Steve Rogers, where he was just a pint-sized soldier looking to be the volunteer for an updated version of Project Rebirth. And that movie starred Hugo Weaving, Tommy Lee Jones, Haley Atwell, and Sebastian Stan, as well as Samuel L. Jackson and Derek Luke among many other actors as Nick Fury Peggy Carter and the Red Skull respectively. Now that go around with Captain America he was done very very well. I think they made him the right way and I highly enjoyed Chris Evans's take on Captain America. Now 
Sidebar. 2021, I believe, or it might be 2020. I'll have to go back and listen to one of my one of the episodes. But that will be the debut of Scarlett Johansson's solo outing as Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow. And that will feature the Russia version of Captain America, known as the Red Guardian, played by Hellboy himself, David Haywood. Who you know as this one of the police officers in Stranger Things. And that movie includes the cat uh cast like Rachel Weiss and Florence Pugh who play members of the Black Widow program respectively. And rumor has it is that a very young Tony Stark played beautifully by Robert Downey Jr. and Hawkeye himself, Jeremy Renner who I will tell more about in my regular episode later on this evening that he is in the process of working on a record of songs. Yes, I said songs because Hawkeye himself has a phenomenal voice and he has put out a few songs, one of which I like the main attraction. But that's neither here nor there. Also, back to the task at hand. There was an actor in the 70s, I believe, or might be the 60s, who played a very early version of the Iron of uh, Iron Man. I'll have to go back and look at at the footage. But then you fast forward to. the MCU where Tony Stark is basically being reborn by the talent of Robert Downey Jr. He played that character so well from Iron Man to a cameo in The Incredible Hulk or or the Hulk, I can't remember which one, to the Avengers films. Then, you get um, Spider-Man. 
Now here's where things get interesting with that character. I have been through both incarnations of the MCU Spider-Man aptly played so well by Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. But fast forward to now where young actor Tom Holland took on the role of Peter Parker in Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. Now I know you guys have been keeping up with the Disney-Sony deal. Well, hot off the press, Spider-Man is coming back to the MCU to in, to have one more film, I believe. Stay uh, Also, stay tuned to a future episode as I delve into that particular deal. But anyway, that character of Spider-Man is what I also like to call a three-strike character. You had two strikes with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Personally, I think both did good, but it's a matter of what true fans want. And that is a true telling of Spider-Man. And just to let you know that yesterday was the release of the second of the Tom Holland era films, Spider-Man Far From Home. And that introduces Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, played, in my opinion, by another great actor in Jake Gyllenhaal. I personally haven't seen the movie, but I don't throw any ill will into who plays the characters. It's just that they need to do the role the right way. Anyway, back to one other hero that I'd like to introduce. And that is Star-Lord. Well, actually two heroes that are two hero groups that I'd like to introduce. The Guardians of the Galaxy led in no particular order by Chris Pratt as Peter Quill Vin Diesel as Groot Bradley Cooper and Sean Gunn jointly playing the voice of Rocket Raccoon 
and Dave Batista as Drax. Also joined in the film was Karen Gillan as Nebula. Now, I, I personally, as far as the Guardians of the Galaxy goes, I think they did a phenomenal job. James Gunn, phenomenal director, although Disney mishandled him the first go around with him being fired and then being rehired thanks to several of his staple actors being behind him. Now, one more group that I'd like to introduce and that is the Fantastic Four. Now, where to start with the Fantastic Four? In, I believe, the 90s, there was a TV movie where the Fantastic Four were first introduced. I had the chance to watch that movie, which you can find on YouTube. And that was horribly done. Horribly done. But then I figured later on when the MCU gets up and going that they're going to introduce the Fantastic Four the right way. And they did very well with Captain America himself, Chris Evans, taking on the role of the Human Torch. And he did that role very well before he was hired to play the role of Steve Rogers later on down the road, like I told you at the start of this episode. Then you have Jessica Alba. Where to begin with her? She is a phenomenal actress. And she took on the role of the Invisible Woman. And then Ian Gruffold was hired to play Mr. Fantastic. Then the rock of the group, literally, was Michael Chiklis played Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. Now, I think that version of the MCU Fantastic Four was done very well. But here's where things get really weird. I know people wouldn't call it weird, but here's where things get really weird. As most have realized, 
that later on in the MCU, the Fantastic Four will be reintroduced. And two people that have been fan-artified, as it were, are the Human Torch and a Thing. And the two actors that they picked to be their guinea pigs, as it were, were The Rock and a toss-up between Zac Efron, who starred with The Rock in Baywatch, and uh, Dave Franco. Uh, personally, I could, I think any one of those guys could pull off the roles of the Thing and and Human Torch, respectively. But it's going to be ultimately up to the director of the respective of the film, whoever they land. Now, on to the villain side before we conclude this part of the episode. I've seen a lot of Marvel villains be introduced. I have. I have no negativity towards any of them. I don't. But one thing that I do say that it's a con is Electro being cast in The Amazing Spider-Man. Jamie Foxx is a phenomenal actor. But why did they end up casting him as Electro? Well, the director of the film at the time wanted him to be introduced into the MCU. Personally, I I think they could have gone a different way with him. But again, it's a matter of what um, fans want. And I'm hoping that they introduce Electro the right way. Again, Jamie, no disrespect toward you playing Electro. I think you did an awesome job. Now, next up on the pecking order, as it will, is Eric Magnus Lencher, a.k.a. Magneto. In the MCU, Magneto was introduced... Old and young. 
one person to play that part very well was Ian McKellen who Lord of the Rings uh, fans know as Gandalf the gray Gandalf the white or just Gandalf the wizard Now that was the first time I ever heard that name be introduced in the MCU for me. Then you come across a younger version of Magneto played very well by Michael Fassbender. I think that is what fans um want in a villain to be a friend of Charles Xavier who I will critique in another episode played very well in two versions by Sir Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy or McAvoy Now, some more villains that I have on tap, as it were. How can I put this? Ah, for you Spider-Man lovers, you want to talk about the Green Goblin? All right. Many versions of the Green Goblin were introduced. You might think that he was introduced in the 70s. No. He was first introduced in uh, Spider-Man, played by Tobey Maguire, played and played by Willem Dafoe. I love how they showed his transformation and that's what the Green Goblin is all about next version of the Green Goblin was the Amazing Spider-Man 3 I believe yeah Three, where it introduced Flynn Marco, aka Sandman, played by Thomas Hayden Church, and Venom, played by Topher Grace. Now, sidebar. If any of you want to listen to a podcast where Topher Grace takes his celebrity pals on quote-unquote adventures. Check out the minor adventures with Topher Grace 
on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts, like mine. Now, where was I? That Green Goblin was played very well by James Franco. Now, the only thing different with that Green Goblin was that he turned out to be an ally towards the end of the movie. Why that happened, I don't know. But then, you switch over to the Andrew Garfield version of the Green Goblin. And here's where a different version is told. Norman Osborn, the original Green Goblin in that film, played very well by actor Chris Cooper, who you've seen in films like Born Identity, among others. Uh, Born Identity and The Kingdom, actually. He played the original Green Goblin, but kind of with a twist. See, kind of with a twist. His Green Goblin was very ill. And in that movie, he was dying from the poison of the of the gas, I think. It made him so weak that he became ill and he ended up giving the company to Harry Osborne, played by Dane DeHaan, last name spelled D-E-H-A-A-N. If you want to look him up on his IMDB or Internet Movie Database page. Now that Green Goblin was done the same way, but the formula was a little bit different and it turned him psycho it turned him crazy whatever but if I had to pick a version of the Green Goblin in the MCU that was done very well it was the Andrew Garfield era of that of that villain. Well, another villain that was introduced in the MCU was Colonel William Stryker. That I wouldn't call a three strike villain. But that villain 
the way he was introduced should have been done young version as you saw in uh, the X-Men First Class I think I can't remember and then you see versions played by Brian Cox who for your Broadway lovers I mean who for you Broadway lovers is playing Lyndon B. Johnson in a Broadway play titled LBJ you can more than likely catch it in New York or wherever I will reveal where his play is being performed and Danny Houston now that version made an appearance in X-Men Origins Wolverine where Wolverine was played very well by Hugh Jackman but that version of William Stryker was how it should be in a way because in the cartoon William Stryker was a religious zealot but in the movie you could find him as an army a dedicated army general or colonel in X-Men First Class you'll get to see how he came to earn that title of colonel and one of my most favorite villains that I got to see introduced in the MCU and I know I've seen a bunch a bunch was Loki now I know there weren't any previous versions of Loki but I gotta give all the props in the world to actor Tom Hiddleston he made his debut in Thor then he came back for Thor Dark World Thor Ragnarok and I think the last we saw him was the Avengers but here's where one of those blink and you'll miss moments in Avengers Endgame you'll see him make an appearance in the film 
as the Avengers go back to get all the stones to make a nano gauntlet. A Stark Tech nano gauntlet. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, what sets up Loki, his series that you could find on Disney Plus, which will launch on my birthday, November 12th, will tell him how he uses the cube or the Tesseract, as it's called, to go through different eras of history. Yeah, it's true. He will go through different eras of history and whether you like whether you think it's chaos, whether you think it's hilarity, all of that rolled into one will ensue. Join Tom Hiddleston in Loki and stay tuned to a future episode where I reveal who his entire series cast is. One segment in. Hopefully two more to go. Welcome everybody to part two of this episode. Now you know earlier I talked to you about the MCU. Or Marvel Cinematic Universe. Next up is a movie universe where I feel that it has scrounged for talent to make these characters relevant and to give them new meaning, new life. First up is my favorite character, Batman. Now, there have been several versions of the Cape Crusader. Yeah, I said several from the serials in the 50s to the movies, which I will delve into. First Batman is Michael Keaton. Granted, yes, true fans of the Cape Crusader will remember him for being the Bruce Wayne of that generation. I know because that was the first superhero movie that I enjoyed the heck out of. Next up was Val Kilmer. What can be said about Val Kilmer except say when, Doc? And I'm not trying to hate on his phrase from when he played Doc Holliday in Tombstone, one of my favorite Western movies, might I add. 
But when Val Kilmer was asked to play Batman, he was introduced to villains who I will delve into later. The Riddler and Two-Face. Then you have George Clooney. Another Batman who was introduced to more villains. Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy. Aptly played as well by Uma Thurman and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Then you have a series of three movies with one who brought honor to the role. Christian Bale. You had Heath Ledger who did a phenomenal job as Batman. Rest in peace, sir. But here's the thing with Heath Ledger's Joker. He was supposed to introduce Harley Quinn as well. But you never got to see Harley Quinn get introduced in the Dark Knight, I believe. But that's enough, that's an episode in itself. Then you have Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, yes, is a legend in his own mind, who was also tapped to play Batman. But here's the thing with him. When Zack Snyder and the cast of Man of Steel were overseas promoting the film, Zack Snyder met with Ben Affleck, who was in the the audience, and he said, oh, I have a idea for a story. Kind of make it along the lines of The Dark Knight Returns, where Batman fights Superman. But make Batman this grizzled veteran who comes out of retirement. Well, that's where Batman versus Superman, things get tricky. The Ben Affleck did play a seasoned Batman, but the big bat armor 
that you could see in The Dark Knight Returns Part 1. That was introduced. Why? I don't know, but they could have saved it for a Dark Knight Returns movie since originally that was not classified as a Dark Knight Returns movie. Then, fast forward to the future. Twilight star Robert Pattinson. Yes, I said Twilight. He is the next one to play the part of the Bat uh, Batman for a film titled The Batman and it's to be directed by Matt Reeves who was supposed to have directed a Batman movie with Ben Affleck in the role but as I said before things didn't work out and Ben Affleck left the project so make way for the future Batman, Robert Pattinson. Most of his villains are being put together as we speak. So be prepared to get introduced as to who is playing them very soon. Then you have Superman himself. Henry William Derglandiesh Cavill. He joins the first big screen Superman star of 2000 eras uh, Superman Returns Brendan Root. Speaking of which, Brendan Ruth Brandon Ruth or Ralph, however you say his name will play two characters in the highly anticipated uh, crossover Crisis on Infinite Earths. For you superhero lovers, this crossover is going to be chock full of talent chock full of people making a guest appearance chock full of all that stay tuned for three episodes of the complex event in December with two with the last two picking up after the winter hiatus but what can I say about Brandon Ruth that version of Superman was aptly directed by Brian Singer, who directed Marvel's X-Men films. How they introduced that villain was very wrong because it, they had plans to introduce a lot of characters for Superman lives 
which can be explained in a documentary regarding the film that never got made directed by Kevin Smith but anyway back to the show what can I also say about these next heroes that I'm I'm introducing except wow such as Wonder Woman aptly I mean played so well so far by Gal Gadot also if you're wanting to look up her name her last name is spelled G-A-D-O-T she was asked to play Wonder Woman after her character Giselle was quote unquote killed in Fast and Furious 6 or it might be 7 I can't remember uh no it was Fast 6 because Groot himself Vin Diesel supported her decision to play Wonder Woman granted yes when she was offered the part she had to have extensive fight training weights the whole deal to get that physique of Wonder Woman and I enjoyed Wonder Woman very much I am anticipating also its sequel Wonder Woman 84 which will introduce a big screen version of Cheetah played by comedian Kristen Wiig of uh, Bridesmaids and Ghostbusters Do I think that Wonder Woman could have been done better? Absolutely. A lot of talented actresses could have played the part better, ranging from Colby Colby Smulders, who you will see tonight on the show Stumptown on ABC. Haywire star Gina Carano, Megan Fox. The list goes on and on because part of me at the time wanted to say, hey, Wonder Woman should have a body and not be a toothpick who has to go through extensive training to get a role and in no way am I trying to shame Gal Gadot because she knocked it out of the park next year I believe sometimes or at least is going to happen for Wonder Woman 84 she joins returning cast members Connie Francis and Chris Pine 
joined by newcomer Pedro Pascal. Now, Gal Gadot, she played Wonder Woman very well. The next hero to be on my proverbial pecking order is The Flash. The Flash, The Flash, The Flash. You had a TV movie version of The Flash get introduced in a Justice League TV movie. Yeah. And then Prince uh, leap forward to the CW version played by Grant Gustin who Gleeks will know for his time on the show Gleek. That Flash is already in season 6. State, uh, I believe, excuse me, I believe that premieres next week. Next Tuesday. But rumor has it is that Michael Rosenbaum will make an appearance as a live-action Wally West version of The Flash. I don't know if it's true, but stay tuned as that season gets closer. Okay. I didn't forget to I forgot to mention John Wesley Shipp. Spelled S-H-I-P-P. In the 1990s, he played the titular speedster Barry Allen in a short-lived TV series of the same name. And you could also catch uh, John Wesley Ship in the crossover as a Earth 90 version of the Flash. Stay tuned for that confirmation. Then you have the big screen version of The Flash, played by Ezra Miller of Fantastic Beasts fame. That was what you call the fifth. The fourth strike. Now, normally characters in the DCEU don't get reintroduced after three strikes, but the Flash makes it makes an exception. Ezra Miller is set to return as the title character for his own film. Stay tuned as. 
more on that film becomes available. As far as The Flash goes, Ezra Miller is doing that character justice. He is a phenomenal actor. He is doing The Flash justice. And then, my favorite, the villains. Now, here are two versions of one of my favorite villains, General Zod, played by Terrence Stamp and uh, Michael Shannon. Now, as Michael Shannon Zod was introduced in uh, Man of Steel, I was thinking, wow, they're doing this villain correct. They're doing him up nice. And he did get done very well. Also, for the follow-up, Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice. He was brought back to play Doomsday. I think Doomsday was done very well. Do I think that Zod needs to be introduced anymore? No. But it's not up to me. It's up to however the directors want that, that villain to be introduced. Speaking of villains, next up on my order is Lex Luthor. The TV versions of said villain include actors Michael Rosenbaum and John Cryer, respectively. Michael Rosenbaum's first take, I mean, first, his version of Lex Luthor was a part of Smallville. For true fans, it will always be a part of Smallville. That villain made that show what it is. It was a shame that it got canceled, but life goes on. Then we have John Cryer, who made an appearance in Supergirl. John Cryer was in a little movie called Sixteen Candles with Molly Ringwald. As for you nostalgic peeps, but John Cryer's version of Lex Luthor was better as far as the TV version of the character is concerned. Then you have the big screen version. The first big screen version of Lex Luthor was Gene Hackman. 
Gene Hackman was great as that villain during that era. Then you jump forward to Superman Returns, whereas Kevin Spacey played the villain, and he did an even better job because that's what Lex Luthor was supposed to be, a villain and not a comedy relief. Now, a little fact about Superman Returns before I continue on with some more villains before this episode ends. In the first part of the movie, Lex Luthor's mother was played by a gal who played Ois, who played Lois Lane on the George Reeves Superman, Noel Neal. And that was a bit of nostalgic even for me when I saw the movie in theaters back in 06. Then, fast forward to the bar scene where Brandon Bruce Clark and uh, Jimmy Olsen, who I forget, I mean, who I forget who played him, noticed that the original Jimmy Olsen from the George Reeves series made a cameo. Now, that was even cooler. Then, back to the villains. You have Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. And that villain was, after, was played beautifully, in people's opinions, by Jesse Eisenberg. Mine, not so much. Jesse Eisenberg was the version of Lex Luthor who looked like he drank too much caffeine. You want a version of Lex Luthor, he needs to be methodical. He needs to be devious. He needs to be the villain. My winners for the role of Lex Luthor go to Kevin Spacey for Superman Returns and John Cryer for Supergirl. They did that villain up very, very well. Now then, What else? Ah, Catwoman. Oh, my dear, my dear, my dear. Oh, how many times directors have been introducing you into movies. The Batman movie. Wow. The Batman movie, you had... Lee Merriweather play the title role. And 
what was nostalgic for me was that she was a part of the show back in the 60s, I believe. Then you got Batman Returns, Michelle Pfeiffer. Factoid. Michelle Pfeiffer was actually the second choice to get the role of Catwoman. The first choice was actually classified as a stalker by the director of the film himself, Tim Burton. That actress's name was Sean Young, who played the role of Lieutenant Lois Einhorn in Ace Ventura Peck Detective. Now you gotta ask me. What version of Catwoman was good? And it was Michelle Pfeiffer because she was that. She was a villain. And rumor has it is that for Matt Reeves' Batman film, the Catwoman might be featured in the movie. And a top suggestion suggestion to play her was Maleficent star uh, Elle Fanning. But nothing official. Other choices for Catwoman include Priyanka Chopra, Vanessa Hudgens, and Daisy Ridley. But what can I say as far as picking a live-action version because the character was done so well. It was Michelle Pfeiffer. Her performance got me in Batman Returns. Now, we have a villain that has been on a lot of people's minds due to the fact that who might be playing him. The Penguin. Oswald Chesterfield Cobblepot. Played by Danny DeVito. And Batman Returns. But. It is what it is. And everybody's titled to their own opinion. So. I ask. Who's your pick for favorite. Bat villain. And who's played him or her.